0: well, this morning this morning we're going to carry on a little bit from last week and the subject is the perfect life. Last week we were looking at the perfect life and asking some questions about it. And actually when we say the perfect life, what is the life that we are seeking for? What is our real desire in life? And sometimes that question or those questions can be a little difficult to actually just unpack straight away. So let me ask a different question. Imagine... That you have, maybe you've got children or you'd like to have children, but anyway, you've got children and you're thinking about their lives. And then you were to ask this question, what would you want for them in life? What is it that you think the best for them might be? And you know what, I guess one of the answers to that question might be this, because I think many people would say this. They would say that they want their children to be healthy and they want them to be happy. And you know what? Just those answers, in one sense, cuts through a lot of all sorts of different bits and pieces and cuts down to some basics, actually, that we're looking for. We're looking for healthy lives. You know, we take it so much for granted that we have healthy lives. When something goes wrong with our health, then we notice it. We complain about it. We go to the doctors about it or go to hospital even. We're very, we should be very grateful for the fact that we live in good health uh, most of the time and that God blesses us with that. So healthy lives is a good thing, but also being happy. Being happy is very important too. And finding contentment in our lives, that is a good thing. And you know what? In truth, contentment and having contentment in our life outweighs a whole lot of other things and uh, products and services and stuff that we can have. It outweighs those because it's a good thing to have. This is what the Bible says, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now as I say, last week we were looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, and I find his life in one sense quite comforting. Comforting because there's so much energy and strength about it. Comforting because it's real life. It's not just everything running smoothly, everything going well. It's all sorts of ups and downs and all sorts of things happening. And it gives it a reality. And it makes me realise more and more that the world in which we live is really quite a dream world. You know, the TV and films and particularly adverts, they want to portray to us this perfect life. This proper life, this best life. The one where there are no real problems. The one where everything is clean, everything is perfect, everything is lovely. The one where all relationships are wonderful and easy. And the one where we're surrounded by all sorts of luxuries in life. That's the life that those things want to portray. But you know what? We know that that is not realistic. Because our experience tells us that it's not realistic. We know that, that we find our own lives telling us something different. So what do we do? What do we hold up? What is the right life for us? And why is it that the world keeps lifting this life up to us when really that is a life that is not really what we need to be living? As we saw with the Apostle Paul, he did not live this easy life. This feet up, TV on, beer at hand type of existence. No, his life was full of what some might describe as turmoil. In fact, look what Paul said happened to him and I read an extract from 2 Corinthians 11 verses 25 and 26 Paul said this three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea I have traveled on many long journeys I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers I have faced danger from my own people the Jews as well as the Gentiles, I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas, and I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. That account of Paul's life is a long, long way away from the 21st century Western worldview idea. And that perspective is definitely not a perfect life, but that is the life that Paul had. And for him it was a life that was full of purpose and he definitely had something that he was living for. Whereas today many people seem to be lost and really lacking purpose. Paul said in Acts 20 verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He's really saying, I don't really care what's going on around me. I have one aim. I have one goal. I want to finish the work that Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to his good news. Paul was living for purpose. He was single-minded in living for Jesus Christ. Now, why was that? And why was this focus? How did this focus come about? We're going to look at three points to help us uh, understand this better. First of all, here's the first point. An encounter that opened his eyes. An encounter that opened his eyes. Now it's strange to say an encounter that opened his eyes because actually the road to Damascus where this encounter took place was actually an experience that left Paul blinded rather than being able to see. Paul is a Pharisee. He is a full-on Jewish believer. He is believing in God He keeps the Sabbath, he abides by the law, and he throws his full weight behind trying to stop people from this new way, the way, as it's called, the way of salvation. That is, people who believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and they were following him. Even though it was known that Jesus had been crucified, they believed that he had been risen from the dead, and they were following him. But Paul was of a different persuasion. His opinion of Jesus was not the same. He did not think that Jesus was the awaited Messiah. After all, Jesus had been crucified on a cross. And as far as Jewish law was concerned, it said anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. How could this person being the anointed of God end up being cursed on a tree? And then, of course, there were the reports from religious leaders who had been with Jesus who were saying, no, this isn't the Messiah. He doesn't even keep to the Jewish traditions, and he doesn't uphold the Sabbath day. He's even worked on the Sabbath day. Paul, in his eyes, was rightly pursuing the things of Judaism and upholding the law of God. But as Paul himself explained to King Agrippa, which uh, which we read from Acts 26, verses 12 to 18, he said, one day I was on a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins, and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Now it said that this happened about midday, and you can imagine in that part of the world, at midday, sun is right up in the sky, shining brightly, and yet it says a light that was brighter than that, surrounded Paul and captured him it's hardly surprising that Paul said who are you Lord that wasn't actually him addressing him as God but saying hey who is this power that is so great that it is causing this to happen to me who are you that's what his question was about and he hears this I am Jesus the one you are persecuting just think for a moment what must have been going through Paul's mind at this point in time He must have seen all of his best made and well-intentioned plans crumble before him. All of the things that he had been thinking and working through were now suddenly being radically readjusted in his mind. The Messiah, who many of the top leaders, including Paul, thought was a mere charlatan. He is alive. He is God. And he was speaking to Paul at that moment. Paul, I have a purpose for your life, please do this for me. And Jesus went on to say to him, go and tell the people you have seen me. Tell them the things I'm gonna show you in the future. I'm rescuing you from your people and from the Gentiles, yet I'm sending you to the Gentiles. You're a Jew, but I'm sending you to the people who are non-Jewish, that you may open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. What are you living? What are you living for? Paul was living now for this. He was come to -to face-to-face with Jesus and he was being confronted with all the things that he had been living for and was now being given a new purpose. But what are you living for? Stop. We need to stop and think this through for a moment. Are you just caught up with the adverts and the life that is being portrayed on our television sets? And as I say through the adverts that come there... These adverts that seem to promise so much to us and yet which seem to deliver so little. They're not delivering the reality of life that our own hearts are looking for. They're not delivering to us the contentment that they seem to promise. They just continue to give us a sense of emptiness. And yet Paul talked, as we've already said in 1 Timothy 6 verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is what Paul was now beginning to pursue. And we see all sorts of things in his life, all sorts of things that he had to walk through. And yet one thing is certain, we see in him a burning, vibrant passion for the things of God. And despite whatever circumstances were going on around him, he had met with Jesus and he was pursuing life with Jesus. Let me ask you, have you met Jesus Are you watching this program because you want to find out more about him? I tell you this, Jesus has come to give us life and life in all of its fullness. A number of years ago, uh, I went to Macedonia. I went there uh, with Mark Daniel. We went on a trip and uh, we were doing some preaching and things. And I came across a guy, in fact, a guy who was giving me a lift back to the airport on the way home. And this guy just said, can I tell you my testimony? So I said, yes, sure. So he was telling me his testimony. He told me that at one point he'd actually been in the UK and had been working in the UK. I think it was in construction, it was some sort of heavy work that he was doing and he worked and he got ill and he kept working because he wanted to make more money and he kept working and anyway he ended up being quite sick and he ended up being hospitalised. There he was in hospital not able to speak really or only able to speak very the minimal amount of English um, and not really having anybody understand him. You can imagine how confusing it was. Anyway, he's lying in hospital and this doctor came in to see him and this doctor said, I- I'm going to pray for you. And uh, he didn't really know what was going on and she just stood by his bed and she was praying, not in English, but she was praying in her spiritual language, praying in tongues over him for a short while. She didn't understand what she was saying, as I say, because she was saying, uh, speaking in tongues. But as she spoke, he could understand in his own language something being said to him. And he heard God speaking to him and saying, I have been looking for you. And at that point, he seemed to make all sense in his life. And that's the point of from then on that he began to seek for God and eventually became a Christian. God was saying to him, I have been looking for you. Let me ask you, God is looking for you. But have you opened your life to him? Have you found him? Have you investigated him? Have you met Jesus? Now, for many of you, you may be saying, well, no, I don't know, or I've got questions. Listen, we're going to be having an alpha course, an alpha course online, so you can access it where you are in your home, and that is starting on Tuesday, the 26th of May. If you're somebody who's looking to have some of the questions about life answered, if you are looking to know more about Jesus, then I want to encourage you to come along to that course. And if you have an interest in it, then please feel free to email Clive, clive at bromleytownchurch.com and Clive will be able to get information to you. Or if you want to find out more, then look at our webpage, uh, www.bromleytownchurch.com and you can find out information there. But the question I'm asking you is this, have you met with Jesus? Maybe you've been a Christian for some time. Oh, I'm a Christian, so therefore you tend to switch off sometimes at least. I'm already in that position, I don't need to know more. Listen, when you compare your life to the life of Paul, how close are they? What we see in Paul is he had a vibrancy. He had a life about him. He had energy. Yes, things were not perfect. In fact, it didn't matter that they weren't perfect. He had a reason that he was living for. And the energy of God was flowing through him and bringing change to those that he was meeting around him. That was life. And I don't know about you, but I look at my own life and I say, I want to see in me the life that Paul had. I want to experience that energy for myself. We need to press into him. Maybe we need to reconnect with Jesus. But whatever your circumstances, just like Paul, we need to have an encounter with him. Paul, my first point, had an encounter that opened his eyes. Point two is this. He had a retreat that established his faith. Now, the actual timeline of Paul's life is that from this moment in Damascus, he then meets with somebody who prays with him. Paul gets converted to Christianity, and that's the beginning of his new life. He spent some time in Damascus, and then he went on to Arabia, and then eventually he came back to Jerusalem, and he spent two weeks in Jerusalem meeting with Peter, and actually he also met with James, the brother of Jesus, in Jerusalem. But after that two weeks, he went back to his hometown of Tarsus, and that is in the the southern part of what is now modern-day Turkey, And he spent about 10 years there before he went on any of his missionary journeys. Now I say this because it's often overlooked. When we're reading Acts of the Apostles, we see his conversion, we read a little bit, and then it's almost he's on to his missionary trips. And you don't get that idea that in between, there's this time of at least 10 years, maybe like 14 years, in between his conversion and him actually starting his missionary trips. And during this time, Paul studied the scripture. Paul read the scripture. Paul encouraged himself in his relationship with God. Paul received revelations from God as he was reading the scriptures and he was learning and finding out more about his faith. He was being established in the ways of God and that took time for him and it helped to develop his faith and later on helped to develop his teaching. Now, we're in this pandemic, and it's brought all sorts of change to us. It's brought us into our homes. It's stopped us going out. And although things are easing slightly, we still know that we're in the midst of complete change. But we have some time now, and we're looking at life differently. Can I encourage you to spend some time seeking God, just as Paul did? Paul, we understand his heart. Listen to his heart. And this is what he wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 12. I want to know Christ, he says. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What are you living for? Are you living in this round of eat, work, sleep, that type of round, or are we living for purpose? Godliness with contentment is of great gain, as we have already heard. Not only is it of great gain, it is the life that empowers Paul, and it causes him to be able to praise God, even when he's just been flogged and thrown into jail. It causes Paul, in the middle of a violent storm, to trust God to deliver him, even though the circumstances around him look like he's about to be drowned. And you know what? That life, we need that life. And it would do us good to be able to read and to reread and to study the scriptures to find out more of what our God is really like. Paul had a retreat that established his faith. Isn't it time that we did the same? The pandemic is changing everything around us. Surely it's time for us, ourselves, to be changed in our spiritual life. Let's stop idolising the issue of comfort and ease. Let's stop always going after those things. Just so my life is easy, let's start living for purpose as we see that Paul was living for purpose. An encounter that opened his eyes, a retreat, that established his faith, and thirdly, a release which fulfilled his purpose. As I've said, it was at least 14 years since his encounter on the Damascus Road that Paul started out on his missionary trips that are recorded in Acts. Now Paul had come to that place where he could freely say, Philippians 3 verses 8 and 9, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them as garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And as we read in Acts 20 verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul is saying, let me go on with the work that Jesus has given me to do. Nothing else matters in life apart from fulfilling the work that God has created before. Paul is released and we see him being released in fulfilling the purpose that God has given him. There's been a process to get to this point for Paul. And there's been time out that he's had to do to seek God, to strengthen himself. But now Paul is living for God's purpose to be fulfilled. He's not living for his own life or his own purposes. And doing this seems to bring great release into Paul. It brings great life into Paul. It causes him to stand out even when there are trials and tribulations going on against him. It causes him to be at perfect peace in the midst of a great turmoil. And this is the life that Jesus gave to Paul and he can give to us. We want to cry out to God. God please help us to know that life too. The fullness of life. I don't want to have to spend my time trying to fit in and conform to the ways of this world, trying to make sure that I I don't rub up anybody or I'm saying the right thing or doing the right thing, and just behaving in the right way. I want to be, like Paul said, I want to be confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The overcoming life that we see in Paul is found in his surrender to God. The laying down of himself the laying down of his life his dreams his personal desires and instead the picking up of what god wanted for his life and living for god's destiny instead the bible says colossians 1 verse 16 all things have been created by him that is by god and for god all things have been created by him and for him life being lived on this earth only really makes sense when we live life fully for God, for him. Paul, you know what, he would say, I can't live your life for you. And I certainly would say, I can't live your life for you, but you are living your life and you can make choices. And you know what, it's time for all of us to be able to stand on our own feet, in our own faith with God. And sometimes we rely upon other people, we look to other people, You know, with all of this shaking that's going on, we want to be a people who stand on our own feet, in our own faith, doing the things that God has called us to do. You know what? We're not on our own. As we said last week, and I repeat again, the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to help us and to strengthen us and to enable us to live the life that God wants. All we need to do is to allow the Holy Spirit to work that life into us. And we need to give him the time and the space to do that. We want to learn to stand on the faith that God has given each one of us. Because God has given each one of us a measure of faith. Each one of us is a unique creation that has been created by God to do things for God in this world. And therefore, all of us has a destiny that God has set before us. And we want to arise and to walk in that destiny. It's time to let God have his way in our lives and to follow his purposes. Let's just pray together. Father, we want to come before you to ask, Father, for your grace, your mercy, your help, the empowering of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives. That, Lord, that you would cause us, like Paul, to arise into that Christ life, to be filled with a passion to work for your purposes rather than just to work for the things that we see around us. Lord, will you change us? We recognize that you met with Paul on the Damascus Road. Will you meet with each one of us afresh? Will you stir our hearts? Will you impart to us fresh faith? Will you give us that space and time to seek your face? And will you release us into the calling that you have for us so that we may fulfill your purposes here upon the earth? We ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. May God bless you. Have a great week. Uh, And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.